You're listening to On the Road, Our Way, the archive of the podcast formerly known as Women on the Road from 2017 to 2020, hosted and produced by Laura Borshevsky and a production of Rabble Media. This episode of Women on the Road is brought to you by VASC, whose footwear has delivered trust on the trail since 1964. With over 50 years of trail footwear innovation, VASC's hiking boots, backpacking boots, and trail running shoes are built to perform on any trail, in any condition, around the world. VASC designs and builds footwear that is honest, original, and true. And their commitment to reliability and technical innovation is focused on a single-minded purpose, elevating your experience on the trail. Stay tuned for later in this episode. We'll hear from Gina Lucrezzi, ultra trail runner and founder of Trail Sisters as she recounts her eight-month summer road trip through all the beautiful, wild spaces her VASC trailbenders took her. Learn more at www.vasque.com. That's V-A-S-Q-U-E dot com. I'm Laura Hughes, and you're listening to the She Explores podcast series, Women on the Road, a podcast to bring you closer to some of the honest experiences that life on the road has to offer from the perspective of women who've lived it firsthand. Before we dive in, I wanted to let you know about the incredible community we've been cultivating through our Facebook group specifically for Women on the Road podcast listeners. There's now over 500 members, and it's become a great resource for anyone out there wanting to know more about life on the road, get route recommendations, or read additional insights from the She Explores team as we create future Women on the Road podcast episodes. Recently, someone even had a question about a build-out they were doing, and one of our members got on video chat with them just to talk it through. They'd never met before, and I thought this was just so incredible. If you're not a part of it yet, we hope to see you there. You can join the conversation through the link in our show notes or by searching for Women on the Road podcast on Facebook. When you're living in a van, you're, you become much more in tune to what you require to live and what your impacts on your surrounding ecosystems are. Something that sits on my mind a lot as I travel is the impact we have on the environment around us. And while conserving resources is crucial, the real reason I think of it now more than ever is because I have constant reminders as we travel in our camper. When you live in a traditional house or apartment, it's easier to get into habits and to forget about them. You know where the recycle is, you have enough space to still move around your home when your garbage is full, and you don't have to empty your dirty sink water after every two gallons. But while it might be more convenient, it's also easy to consume more. You run the faucet longer than you need to. You leave a light on when you go out to dinner, because it's just a small light, right? Living in a camper, running off of solar power has taught us that we can live with less. And it's also demonstrated the direct impact of how lifestyle choices create more or less waste. These are certainly lessons that you can learn without living on the road, but the simplicity, lack of garbage or water services, and tiny square footage certainly sped up the process of developing some increased self-awareness for me. Caroline Winslow is a college student from New England dedicated to environmental conservation. She, like me, was interested in learning more about her own individual footprint in the camper community. But she didn't want to wait until graduation to find out. Caroline has a huge passion around environmentalism and wanted to make an impact in this space now. So with a semester's worth of the off-campus living stipend her school provides, which amounts to about $7,000, Caroline took a major step into learning more about the intersection of conversion and camper living 
by converting and moving into one herself for her senior year, a Dodge Promaster she named Roxy. In talking to Caroline, I was hoping to find some obvious answers about whether living in a camper is better for the environment or not. With all the extra work we do to conserve, it feels like it has to be. But as you'll hear in this episode, it's not necessarily that simple. Caroline goes to a college on the Northeast Coast, but is currently interning for a month in Colorado. I called her up one chilly night to learn more about what got her started on this project in the first place. Yeah, so the whole journey started during my freshman year of college. My boyfriend and I are long distance and wanted to do a summer adventure together, but quickly realized that all of our toys, whether it was climbing gear, sup boards, kite boards, was difficult to travel with. So we were able to find a 1995 Dodge Ram van on Craigslist that we ended up getting together and converted it over the course of about five days. And so we spent the summer road tripping kind of up the California coast over to Montana and back down to Utah. And we did that the summer after my freshman year and additionally traveled up to Canada the summer after my sophomore year. So that kind of spurred my love of life on the road. And being an environmental policy major, and my passion is definitely rooted in the environment and global climate change and different, you know, processes happening around the world, I kind of had this aha moment that second summer that I could combine my love of life on the road with my desire to in goal to live off grid but I always thought it would be something you know that I would achieve sometime later in my life so yeah after a lot of daydreaming and planning I decided why not do it in college and that's kind of where this new van arose from that's so neat and when you say that you thought that the off-grid lifestyle would look like something you do later in life. What did you imagine that to look like versus what you ended up doing by converting your van now? Yeah, so I think a lot of people living off-grid, you know, it kind of spans from people, say, that are homesteading and very much remote and to their own resources versus people that might be, you know, living in net zero homes that are completely self-sustained and not actually tied to the grid and off the grid, I feel like tends to be somewhat of a confusing term and what people perceive it to mean. But I think society tells young people and especially women, there's different societal expectations and timings of when they expect things to happen or when you're supposed to do things. So I think a lot of it for me was like in my mind, oh, I have to wait till I graduate college and have a job and living in a a single location in this off-grid home. So I was kind of excited about the opportunity to challenge the status quo and say, you know, you don't have to wait until you're sick of your nine to five or if you're living in one place with a steady job to take on these larger endeavors. Absolutely. What you decided to do with converting the van sounds like something that was spurred directly from your passion for environmental policy as much as it is for adventure and travel. And I I read a quote that I'm going to quote you if that's okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's a big deal. (laughs) I read a quote that you wrote in one of the articles that you were published in, and you said, being an environmentalist, I often felt as though my beliefs didn't align with my daily lifestyle. And I'm wondering if you could speak to that a little bit more, because I feel like there's a lot of truth in that for you specifically. Yeah, I've I've known that I wanted to pursue environmental studies since about fifth grade when we did projects on renewable energy. 
And when I was younger, I had, I think, less of a grapple on my personal footprint and my personal impacts. And as I got older and learned more, I've tried to address that in different ways, such as last New Year's, I attempted for two months to reduce and get rid of any plastic products in my bathroom products. So I made my own lotion and made my own toothpaste and tried to really minimize my waste that way. I think it was it was an exciting opportunity, but I didn't have the time to be making these products. So looking around at the rest of my life, I kind of like to think that I took almost a permaculture type approach where instead of kind of looking at a solution and thinking how I could get there, I tried to look at what I was doing and what my life was and tailor my environmental solution to my lifestyle. So I felt like something that was very concrete in my hands was my day-to-day resource use. And while you can make efforts by turning off lights or limiting the water you use, it's hard, especially in college. A lot of this is left to larger utilities or larger institutions. So I thought it would be a really interesting way living in a van to not only learn about my daily resource needs and what I personally as a human demand, but also fulfilling those myself and kind of this whole feedback loop of finding the energy or creating the energy or resource, using it and seeing really if I have enough to fulfill my needs. So whether that's through, you know, the calculations I did to find the type of and size of solar array that I would need to getting your water and disposing that when you're living in a van, you're, you become much more in tune to what you require to live and what your impacts on your surrounding ecosystems are. Yeah, I have had a huge eye-opening experience to moving into the van this past year, especially around water consumption and just how much water I used when I lived in an apartment and had running tap water, where we made the conscious decision in building the van to have a manual pump instead of something on hydraulics, which I know is a lot more convenient and you can leave the tap running while you wash your hands, but didn't seem very sustainable for us and we felt like we'd be going through a lot of water. And so we are very conscious now of how we wash dishes and we have to empty our gray water every two gallons pretty much, which is a good thing because we really cut down on how much we use. And I I know that that's just the tip of the iceberg and it's pretty incredible how much water and other resources we use when we don't think about it. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, even little things like trash, I made a conscious decision to only have compost and recycling in the van. So if I create trash, I have to, you know, leave it sitting on my counter. So it's very much in my face, which I think is another way that has kind of forced me to rethink the types of products I'm buying and the types of packaging they come in, for example. That's amazing. I really respect that a lot because that's been a struggle for us when we travel to other states. Not every state has a very good recycling program and a lot of states don't have a composting program. So it's hard to know what to do with that. And it's not always the best answer. Sometimes the answer is it goes in the garbage and that sucks. And I don't know what to do about that. It definitely was easier for me knowing that I was going to be on a campus where I already knew the facilities established because I'm not Well, I'm living um, on pavement. I'm not per se on the road for most of the year because I'm at school. So that makes that a bit easier. 
when you built out your van. Um, it I've read up and you used only non-toxic, renewable, or repurposed materials when you could find them. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? There's a large conscious consumer movement, I feel like, whether it's from clothing to food, but in the building and textiles and furniture realm, it's not very transparent, I found. So definitely took a lot of research and there were some areas, whether it was, you know, the silicone I had to use to seal up the ceiling fan where I realized this probably doesn't fulfill any of those needs. But I did use natural sheep's wool insulation, which is just an incredible product. And yeah, my floor is made out of bamboo, which is a highly renewable resource compared to traditional wood. And my cabinets are out of old fence panels that a family friend had. So yeah, I really tried to think about each element, whether it was the hard goods such as the wood or finding natural latex foam and non-dyed linen fabric and things like that. What's maybe your most interesting thing in the van that's repurposed? Yeah, my countertops um, that were made out of old plywood from a dorm on campus, I think are something that I'm most proud of that were repurposed because they had so much character going into it. They had stickers and graffiti and people's names all over it that it was kind of exciting bringing a history of this dorm room that was a notorious party room on campus and kind of bringing that history and stories into the van was a fun component. And also how they turned out is definitely an interesting look, which I'm really happy with. One of Caroline's big initiatives with her camper build-out was to use as many non-toxic, repurposed elements as possible. Sometimes it was simple, but other times finding the right materials for the job proved challenging. Yeah, so it definitely was interesting. You know, I def- for example, the insulation cost more than a standard rigid board or spray foam insulation yet in areas like that that the toxicity was a factor I decided to spend more to align my goal and see if it was possible but it is frustrating you would think that these products that are more natural and maybe more simplistic would be cheaper but they're not per se but yeah definitely finding you know used wood was a cheaper alternative and I found onecraigs.com which is a nationwide craigslist so I was able to find my oven and stove that runs on denatured alcohol in there and find that used. And if I couldn't find things that were, say, non-toxic or per se eco-friendly, I tried to find things that were used and not add to the waste stream by purchasing something new. But there are some good websites out there that have different green building products on it, whether it's insulation and non-VOC paints and things like that. It takes some extra research, but the resources are out there. And I hope that in the future, there's a place where you can go and find all of these things very easily and hopefully very cheaply. But eBay and Craigslist was a great place to find used things. And I think talking to local woodworkers and lumber yards, if they have just scrap materials, because building out such a small space, you don't need a lot, which does work in our favor. Yeah, that's a great idea. I wouldn't think to reach out to like local woodworkers or lumber yards, but they're probably happy to get rid of some of those scrap materials that they don't have any use for and they're seeing them go to a really cool project, which is a bonus. Definitely. And I'm and I'm sure you know with the local woodworker they'd have beautiful wood and small pieces that they maybe don't want to throw away, but excited to pass on to someone that's going to put them to good use. Yeah, they're just waiting for you to come by. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We'll hear more from Caroline after a word from our sponsor, VASC. 
This episode of Women on the Road is brought to you by VASC, whose footwear has delivered trust on the trail since 1964. I talked with Gina Lucrezzi, whose ultra trail running adventures and love of the outdoors sent her on an eight-month road trip. And along with her came her favorite trail running shoes. My favorite pair really is the Trail Bender. It's great because it has a nice wide toe box. So when I do my long runs, I, my, my toes have area to splay and to swell. You know, the longer you're out there, sometimes your, your toes grow. Uh, but the cushioning is also excellent. Spending a lot of time on your feet, it's nice to have something soft under underfoot. The grip is amazing as well. So I, I did a road trip this summer. It was about eight months long, and those were my go-to shoes everywhere we went. You know, I was over in the Pisgah National Forest, and then um, the Redwoods over in California, up in, you know, Olympic National Park in Washington State, all the way down to Grand Escalante area in Utah. And they held up to each different terrain really, really well. So, you know, some days were hot and dry and dusty. Other times were super muddy or rainy and no problems then the nice thing was they actually uh, dried out pretty quickly too on the wet days which was a total bonus you can only have so much room when you're traveling around in a van so i think i bought two pairs and i'd rotate them but when you're in the pacific northwest and it's pretty wet can be troublesome but they would dry out pretty quick so that was a bonus with over 50 years of trail footwear innovation vasks hiking boots backpacking boots, and trail running shoes are built to perform on any trail in any condition around the world. Learn more at www.vasque.com. That's www.vasque.com. We're back with Caroline. And I really wanted to lean on her knowledge in environmental studies to learn more about how life on the road intersects with making a positive impact on the earth, or if it does at all. Here's Caroline explaining what environmental studies encompasses and how she uses her program to think about the size of her footprint on the road. It is exciting that it's a growing major, I would say, colleges, but still relatively new. So at the college I'm at, we have a environmental science route and an environmental policy route. And I was science up until last year, actually. So a lot of the classes were in the biology, ecology, marine science, different larger ecosystem-based sciences that pertain to the environment, but all with a focus on looking at anthropogenic impacts on the environment and uh, the changes that humans have caused. And the environmental policy route is similar and has a lot of those components, but also looks at current domestic and international structures in place for environmental policy. But looking at environmental impacts of vans is definitely something that I question and grapple with sometimes. And I'm the first to say that I definitely don't have a zero carbon footprint because I recognize that driving a large van gets significantly worse gas mileage than other vehicles. But I took on this project kind of as an experiment to see if combining my footprint of my vehicle and my home into one and additionally utilizing renewable energy and like we talked about, you know, with water and waste, reducing our impacts and consumption that way. As I mentioned at the top of this episode, I was hoping for a simple answer as to whether living on the road can minimize your environmental impact. I mean, with all the extra considerations we take to manage our resources, it feels like it should. But as Caroline pointed out, whether your carbon footprint is bigger or smaller in a camper 
is all relative to the more stationary life you lived before. And that looks different for everyone. If you're in a massive house that is really energy intensive, I would assume that um, moving into a van and minimizing your footprint would make a great impact versus someone that maybe lived in an apartment building that was already really energy efficient. But I think that moving forward, we're at an exciting time with technologies and new research, whether it's through highly efficient solar panels and more accessible solar panels. For example, the cost of solar since 2010 has dropped by more than 70%, which is definitely exciting for people that are looking to access renewables. You know, there's rumors that VW is coming out with an electric van or new technologies to make them far more efficient and get better gas mileage. I think there is a really bright future for minimizing our carbon footprint. But like we talked about, I think just becoming more aware, whether it is through living in a van or living in a house and just making a conscious effort to tune into what you use, I think can make a large impact for the better. But I'm actually hopefully installing this weekend. I don't currently have a uh, monitor on my battery bank, but I'm hoping once I have that installed this spring to really be able to quantify my carbon footprint, both including the miles that I drive, which is less because I'm parked at school, and then the energy that my heater uses. That's excellent. And you have, so you have an electric heater? I have an S-bar heater, so it taps right into the fuel line, which is um, great. And it's incredibly efficient, which I was surprised by. So it's been a great investment so far. Nice. Yeah. Well, especially where you've been either, you know, in Colorado for your internship or on the Northeast coast, that's uh, chilly conditions. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. But hoping for some snow, but I must say that the lack of snow this year has been good for solar panels and driving. Absolutely. Yeah. Every time there's anything on the solar panels, it's um, game over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate hearing that, too, that costs are coming down when it comes to renewable energy like solar panels and hearing that larger companies are potentially getting on board with having um, vans and larger vehicles that are more energy efficient. Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't know if you saw the new semis that Tesla released, so it's possible to have a large vehicle that is incredibly efficient, but hopefully that is on the market and not too expensive for van lifers in the future. Yeah, you know, maybe someday that there are a lot of people now who are moving on almost in the same fashion you are where they've built that one van and maybe they're used to building out a van and want to build out something else that suits their needs better. And so, I mean, it's within the realm of possibility that once new, more energy efficient vans get out on the market, even if they're expensive at first, it might be possible maybe within the next five or 10 years, which would be awesome um, to be able to purchase a used one from someone who's even already converted it, much like we're doing now in this kind of Craigslist van swapping market. Yeah, definitely. Crossing my fingers. The up and coming larger electric vehicles Caroline was referring to are certainly promising for our planet as a whole, as well as for those who like to road trip often or for long periods of time. And it's encouraging to see more companies leading the charge on the electric vehicle initiative. But they're still in prototype, which means they're still a ways off from becoming a reality. And as Caroline and I were discussing, new vehicles with cutting edge technology aren't affordable to everyone. So in the meantime, I asked Caroline for some tips on what travelers can do to keep environmental conservation in mind while they're on the road, no matter what car they're in. I think it 
definitely ranges whether someone's car camping in their, you know, smaller car SUV. And if they're doing it just on the weekends, I think that impacts and changes can be pretty broad. I would say that a lot of people living on the road are already very in tune with the environment. But, you know, I think just simple things such as limiting your waste and trash consumption, whether that's finding refillable water bottle stations rather than buying larger jugs of water. It's challenging to say because so much of the allure of living on the road is traveling and seeing new places. But I think if people find a spot that they really enjoy and decide to spend, you know, an extra week there and maybe travel a little less far that year, I would assume that the miles that they don't drive would make a great impact on the amount of, you know, fuel they're consuming and different things like that. I really appreciate you saying that because that's something we grapple with a lot on the road. And it's not just about, I mean, it's not just about the environmental impact. It's also a huge expense when you're traveling that far that fast. And so you have a reminder, I guess I'll say. You definitely have a reminder that you're burning through a lot of gas because you're also usually burning a hole in your pocket when you're spending all that money. Yeah. And so I do think that it would be interesting to see more of a slow travel movement when it comes to van living because I think more than ever living on the road you have quite a bit more freedom over what your environmental impact can be and I mean yeah it it all comes down to how how much you're traveling I think is one of the biggest ones. Yeah, and beyond finances and the environment, I think that when my boyfriend and I did it for those two summers, we had plans the first summer to go up through Canada and over to Alberta and Banff and back down and realized that trying to adhere to this schedule we had created, we weren't enjoying the places where we were stopping nearly as much as we wanted to. And I think that seeing a lot of places is exciting, but really diving deep into a region or a single town can also be really fulfilling and exciting. Now, I don't know about you, but I was pretty intrigued by the two-month foray into plastic-free bathroom products Caroline mentioned earlier, and I wanted to know more about it before we got off our call. Here's where she found the inspiration and what she took from the experience as a whole. Yeah, so actually a big inspiration for me a couple years ago is this girl Lauren Singer that has a blog called Trashes for Tossers, and you may have seen videos of her, but she has all of her trash, I think, from four years now in a mason jar. She was another person that has said in interviews, you know, she was studying environmental issues and looked in her fridge and saw the plastic she had and realized her beliefs maybe weren't aligning with her lifestyle. But so I really looked to her and the zero waste movement, which is similarly growing rapidly like van life. And so, yeah, I tried making toothpaste with baking soda and coconut oil and peppermint oil and washed my face with honey I did the no poo method, which you use baking soda as shampoo and apple cider vinegar as conditioner. And so I was able to buy all these products either in glass or paper or in bulk. Is there anything that you've kept from that? Yeah, I think that a lot of my different products now I seek, if I can't make them myself, I try to find them in glass so that I can recycle them and avoid as much plastic as possible. But I've now tried to transition that a little bit into my kitchen area rather than bathroom area. So I made sure to include in my van designs, I have a pull-out shelf that has all mason jars so that I can fill with bulk grains and nuts and things and avoid buying those types of products in plastic. 
Yeah, that was really clever. And I think that, again, that goes to just the power of living on the road and designing your own van. I mean, it costs so much money to design your own house and craft a life inside of a house that's sustainable and you have a lot more control in a van. I know it's fun getting to design your own little space and include all the little elements that are important to you in the design. Thanks so much to Caroline for sharing your perspective on environmental conservation, off-grid living, and road travel. If you want to follow Caroline's adventures as she lives in her van Roxy, spends time outside, and studies her own energy usage, you can follow her on Instagram at RepoweredRam. We'll post a link in our show notes, along with a handful of resources that were mentioned in this episode. Thanks to our sponsor, VASC. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite way to listen in. Also, if you could take a few minutes to review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, that'll help listeners find us and would be so appreciated. Music is by Josh Woodward. We're proud to be edited by Gail Straub and produced by She Explores.